Good evening, fellow human travelers in Sector 71.8. Good evening to all you folks out there who are imagining your existence beyond the future in another realm of transcendental understanding. It's just after 11 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on Thursday night, April the 21st in the age of Boblimp Talk. Today is Boblimp Talk Fool's Day. Were you happy? Did you feel a lot of joy? Did you find yourself sucking up to that good old boy down the street? Are you finding yourself happy? Did you find yourself a way back home, yeah? <laughs> no, I'm kidding, right? This is a joke. It's not that funny, though, Dan. Um, it is Thursday, April the 21st. April, yeah, 2022. And it's hard to imagine because when you think about it, it's hard to imagine because when you imagineer it, it's some kind of broken thing. And that's where we're at in the age of Boblim talk. Everything is exceptionally absurd and often tragic in a banal sense. I'm sorry, but in that kind of ordinary, extraordinary sense where the tragedies of history just repeat themselves. And to some extent, that's the situation the world's in today. I don't know. I'm not a big believer in the cyclical view of history because I'm a Christian. And so Christians believe there's, you know, there are basically these epics, but once the epic ends, you know, it's over. And then again, I'm a Christian who asks questions, so if you want to send me an email, you can, and I will certainly respond. Um, you know, these days my emails get blocked, so I almost feel like, you know what, you can find my email, right? <laughs> find it. But um, it's a hard question. This weekend, or at least tomorrow and Saturday, Myself and my friend Justin are going to the Be Prepared Expo. We're going to have a table. Actually, and this is the thing, it's, it's, it's hard times out there because they gave us, um, and just so I can just say, it's, it's in Sandy, Utah. It starts tomorrow. That's Friday, April the 22nd, and I think it goes through the 23rd, but you should double check the web. You should Google Be Prepared Expo Sandy, Utah, and you'll get more precise information. But yeah, Justin and I are heading to Sandy, Utah tomorrow morning, which means I should be sleeping, but I'm not sleeping, or am I? I'm not sleeping, I should be. But I'm not, so I'm up. Up all night like Gilbert Gottfried on USA TV, right? Up all night with Gilbert Gottfried. We're gonna have, we actually have two tables. Um, 
for half price. Uh, and it's not something I'm really proud of. It's just we didn't have the money, so we paid what we could, and they're very kind people. So if you're interested in looking at various types of be prepared issues, like prepper issues, I think prepper becomes a kind of weird word because it's overused. I think maybe just risk assessment. If you're interested in, in integrating a risk assessment view of the world, then I think you should go there. And uh, yeah, you know, probably the tickets would have been cheaper to get them online, but I need to do a shout out to these folks because, you know, they're giving us an opportunity at a point where, you know, we got to go get jobs and, you know, ultimately it's it's looking very hard right now in terms of getting things going. And I don't blame the world. You can't do that. But there is a kind of, well, how can I put this? On Saturday, we're going to do a presentation, and we've actually done a couple rehearsals, and you know what? That's a couple more than a lot of people ever do. So I feel like we're in good shape, and I think that we have a good back and forth, and Justin knows how to improv, so I think we're going to be fine, and and probably we're going to be better than fine. But then I look at the world right now, and as much as I'm trying to be the happy Christian, and I'm really trying to do that. I'm trying to be like I like I said. <laughs> I'm trying to be happy. <laughs> I'm trying to be happy, and I do have a lot of really joyful days. Like I've said this before, I'll say it again. Um, these dogs that you know Justin and his girlfriend care for, they're basically my psychiatrist. So. I'm very thankful they're here, you know, and they're good dogs. They're not perfect. Like the, the, you know, the one I've grown attached to is a rescue dog who is being trained to be a fighting dog. And so he has some, (laughs) he has some aggression issues, especially when it comes to a block of cheese. You do not want to mess with this dog if he has a giant block of cheese. That is a no-no. That can only lead to dog-tastrophe. A complete dog-tastrophe. And dog-tastrophes are well known in the outer realms No, they're pretty cool dogs. And and this one, you know, like I said, you can't get be- <laughs> you can't get between this particular dog and a block of cheese unless you have a strategy because <laughs> he's like a snapping turtle, but he's a pretty he's a pretty awesome dog. So there are a lot of things I am thankful to God for. I know I sound like a foul-mouthed freak sometimes, but I am thankful Um, to the Lord in heaven for the gifts he's given me. But I would be lying if I told you that I'm a happy warrior. I'm not. I'm doing the best I can like a lot of folks. I try to put on the brave face and I can certainly go in front of a group of people and perform in that acting sense. Remember what, you know, persona means in Latin. It means mask. Mask. 
you know, it means mask. And it's been said that every person is three people. The people that other people think they are, the people they think they are, and the people they really are. I mean, that basically, it's about, you know, outside perspective, inner perspective, and then the real perspective, which is almost impossible unless you have the seat of God, like unless you can sit above the earth and observe everything all the time perfectly, then I guess you can have that true perspective. Right now, I'm, I'm having a hard time finding perspective sometimes because it could be. I mean, this is the thing about what's going on in the Ukraine, if I can t do, go, out, you know, go off on a tangent. It could be that what's going on in Ukraine is a legitimate conflict. I'm not saying a good thing. I think war itself is a kind of monstrous game. And we would hope at this point in human history we'd figure out other ways to solve problems. But yeah, I, I don't pick sides in this conflict because I think the United States... I, I think we have a hard time picking sides at this point. I think we've made our own... I don't know how to put this, but we've made our own bed. Um, what we did in, in, in Iraq and what we did in Afghanistan and the reasons that were given look completely bogus in retrospect. And not just that, but a lot about 9-11 looks bogus in retrospect. So it's hard for me to say to myself, well, Dan, the Ukraine... Is it real? Is it not real? Who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? In 2014, I would have told you anyone that was not trying to just have diplomatic relations with Russia was kind of the bad guy because Russia wasn't the bad guy. A lot of what Russia was doing under Putin was stuff that was probably expected, historically speaking, if Russia was ever to be anything like, you know, a functioning nation state, you know, a country and not in some sort of civil strife. I don't like the guy. I don't respect any kind of government fool. But the reality is Yeltsin was kind of running the place into the ground and Putin was trying to do something different. Bottom line is I would prefer none of the above. But I can't really say there's a good guy in any of these fights right now. I don't really think we're the good guys. I, You know, Bush Sr., and that's the Bush that ran against, you know, Bill Clinton and lost. Bush Sr. made a promise that NATO would never expand past Poland. And he said, that's a promise. You know, that's a promise. Although, truly, any honest and true intelligent Russian should have studied some American history at that point. And understand that those types of promises have been made over and over and over again. I mean, there are many, many mass graves not discovered across of North America, one day hopefully to be discovered. There are many out there that represent the promises that we made to people who were here before us. Yeah. So Bush promised that NATO would never expand past Poland, and that was a lie. I mean, that expansion happened rapidly after Bush lost to Bill Clinton. Rapidly. And, and basically, it was, it was a completely different world. And Yeltsin, more or less, you know, 
When the, when the Soviet Union finally collapsed, and it did, more or less, roughly speaking, in the year 1993. Now, the Berlin Wall went down in, you know, I think it was late 1989, December or something. I want to say that, December. But basically, German unification took, I think, another year or so. So like 90, 91. Yeah, you have the German unification. And that's the early 90s. And at that time, uh, already the promises that were made were being broken. So I think when we, th when we conceive of this issue, when we start having honest conversations about the Ukraine, we should at least admit to ourselves one possibility, that there are no good guys in this fight. Putin is not a good guy. I, I really think he made a stupid move. I do. That's why I have a hard time believing. It's like, as a psyop, if this is not real, and folks, these days we're being so mind-fucked, you should at least entertain for a second the possibility that this could be mostly manufactured bullshit. A lot like, you know, what was it? <laughs> Wag the dog or something? I think that... um this could be crap. I don't really know for sure. I have no good data. And, and no one I know does. A lot of people have supposition and what they get from CNN or Fox News or some alternative resource. But for the most part, a lot of it's pretty much controlled. And so I don't think we have any good data. If we're told that Australia is in some hell zone, Maybe it is, maybe it's not. If we're told that Shanghai is being shut down, maybe it is, but maybe we don't know the real reason. I mean, if you ask me, China was on the verge of a kind of civil war in 2019. And there were a lot of factories just kind of randomly blowing up in 2016 and 15 and 17 all over China. And, and so if, if a person were to meditate on Chinese history since the year 1800, they might come to the conclusion that one possible situation is that China is currently in a state of civil war, which means that the Xi government doesn't control all of China. He controls some of it. It also means that there are factories that he does not control. He doesn't control the supply chain there. There is no supply chain there. Um, and, and, you know, I don't really hold it, I don't really put it past the Chinese to do some pretty rough stuff to their own people if it came to warlords and civil war, but I kind of think that might be what's going, what is actually going on. Not the Omnicron, Spacecon, you know, Comic-Con, none of that Comic-Con nonsense. I think the reality is, our government, as it has before, going back to Mao Zedong, our government is conspiring with the Chinese and Chinese intelligence to pull the wool over people's eyes. And I think the monkey herpes, whoo, talk about wool. That's the perfect wool because you know what? Those are the kinds of coffee filters people are going to just keep wearing if only for Christmas memories, right? You remember that year our child forgot how to speak? 
that Christmas, the, the Christmas, the, that Christmas, that year the Christmas carolers forgot how to sing. I don't know. It's one of those things where you can understand the logic of a tyrant of, or a torturer. And, and you can understand the logic of that person, someone who believes that the best way to resolve conflict is through threats and abuse. And then so, okay, you get it from their perspective that if not functional or real, but that sociopathic perspective, you can understand why people would say, oh, you have to wear the mask. And I know I'm way off course here, folks, but I'm going to rein it in. You have to wear the mask, but the, but the mask has been a terror. And in fact, I would, I would contend that it is part of what is scaring people to death. You know, the thing about the mouth, it might be a frown, it might be a smile, but there is nothing that probably elevates a person's blood pressure more than not knowing. And there's not enough information. And the problem is these days, people might think the default state is, well, that person's angry at me. That person thinks I'm a jerk. And, and maybe I can barely breathe with that mask, excuse me, that coffee filter on, but they're gonna want me to put the coffee filter on too. Because you have to be like the cult, you know, and it is, if you ask me, it's a manufactured cult and I don't think it's the first time the CIA has done that. I think, I think Scientology might be one of their ops, but um, it's a manufactured cult ultimately, but this weird medical, you know, quote unquote, scientifical, weird, weird, weird kind of cult around, yeah, the COVID cult, it's disturbing. And it's the reason why even, no matter what happens, and I think there's gonna be some stuff coming along that it's gonna make the COVID look like a day in the park because it probably was. It probably was just a big snow day before what's really gonna hit us. But, um. At some point, people are going to have to admit to themselves that there was a lot of statistical lying. There was a lot of converting cases in hospitals that had other reasons and mo most likely hospital incompetence. And there was a lot of that. There was a lot of just offloading hospital liability to somebody else while at the same time getting paid for it. I think a ton of it went on. And you know what? I, I would love it if somebody sued me because I would I think that would be a fun day in court if such things are actually still real. You see, that's where I'm at as the happy warrior. We're gonna do our presentation, we're gonna do a great job, but I'm all over the place with respect to this basic question about, you know, well, like today, my computer. Really yesterday, it started yesterday. I had problems with the HDMI port and the problem is we need to use my computer basically for the presentation. We can use Justin's as a fallback, but it's a little bit slower. It's not the end of the world. It's just going to make it tricky, you know, pressing that space bar or whatever. But, um, yeah, um, I had some, you know, computer problems and these things happen. It would be more convenient if they didn't happen right before a presentation, but gee whiz, this is 2022.
Does anybody even think anything is supposed to be convenient? No. Nothing is convenient in 2022. Everything is on-demand pain. I'm kidding. But no, it's, it's kind of a pain in the ass, the way things are headed and the way things are now. And if I lose a computer, I basically don't have one, which means I can't do anything. It means that the project and the code can go to somebody else, but I can't work on it. Not unless I can get the money in to get a new computer. And that's even, okay. And that's when you even have to ask the question, are there going to be computers for sale in October 2022 Boblim Talk? There might be. They, there might be, and their actual price might reflect reality, which means that instead of getting the computer like I got, you know, a few years ago for 800 bucks, it'll probably be like, I don't know, 8,000 bucks. But yeah, they might have it. But what I think is more likely is that once these things start happening, you're going to be looking at something called cascading collapse. One of the reasons why Justin and I are working on this project, and I've said this before, isn't because we think that we're gonna like create some empire. Um, we wouldn't wanna do that. We would rather just partner with the folks like, you know, Jordan who created JSA Call and um, the folks who worked on WSJTX and the whole ham community. We would like to partner with them to see how optimal and unobtrusive, because hey, you know, uh, it looks like it's reasonably unobtrusive now, but let's keep it that way so voice folks don't get annoyed. But how can we do this in the most efficient way possible, and at the same time, like I said, the most unobtrusive way possible? And the problem is, you know, Information theory says that any given frequency tells you how much information it can contain. Like any number of waves over time tells you how much information you can pack in there, whether it's analog or digital. There is a kind of functional limit based upon the frequency of the signal because that's what's transmitting the information. So higher frequencies can transmit more information. Um, that's, that's, that's kind of a simplistic way of putting it, but that's basically how it works. So when you're talking about like 11 meters and CB, you can't probably transmit tons. Like we're not trying to harm the radio. So what we're doing right now is about 500 characters every 10 minutes. And you know what? If you were posting something about your Chevy or that you have some milk to sell or you have some milk to sell, <laughs> I'm kidding. But the point is, if you had something you need to post to a kind of community bulletin board, which is another thing you can do. I mean, it's, um, you know, you can actually just use Python to connect the JSA call and you can actually, you know, store stuff in your own database utilizing the files that, you know, the log files that JSA call generates and actually, yeah, you could build out your own radio-based bulletin board system for selling stuff, buying stuff. And you know what? That would be awesome. I mean, in a few weeks, I got a lot of code cleanup to do, but in a few weeks, I hope to release the first version of it, which people can laugh at. 
But what I hope they do is not just laugh at it, but say to themselves, well, hey, this is kind of a call to arms. Like, here's some Python that allows me to create a new service. You know, some Python, some MySQL, but not a lot more. I mean, some, some uh, basically a few modules. And all of a sudden, you're taking RSS feeds from the web and you're putting them over CB radio. And if you've been listening on 27.245 recently, you might have seen some of the um, headlines I posted because I've been doing testing on that frequency, 27.245. So, uh, you know, 11 meters, baby. 11 meters. <laughs> yeah. CB. But anyways, um, you know, some more good news is I'm working with a fellow in Puerto Rico and he's very patient. Um, I kind of wish I had more time to get all the ducks in a row before I started working with them because frankly, the code, I wrote it quickly so it's got you know, some bugs or I should say design flaws I need to work out. They're not horrible, but the problem is there's never enough time to do anything, you know? It just seems like every day it's like you gotta be doing something else. And then I decided to do something kind of crazy, um, feeling like that pitiable fool who had to reinstall Ubuntu 18, which means go backwards because going forwards was backwards. And 20 turns, you know what? I tried it twice. In the last couple of years, I've tried 20 a couple times and both times I've had these weird, unstable experiences. So the conclusion I came to is at least for the computer I have, I should be running 18. And this is fine, you know, I figured out the basic recipe to get JSA call working, kind of happy with how simple it was. I do feel like it's a kind of poker based upon little pieces of archeological internet data you can find by digging through a lot of people's ham posts and stuff like that, but that's okay. It's it's putting the puzzle together that's fun, right? Yeah. No, what I proved to myself in the last few weeks is that it is possible to do this. And that if we can get people just working with JSA call and, you know, use the Python script I developed because it basically works. And if you can do something better, do that. But it allows you to do that sort of single-threaded processing because again, people just have one radio, so they'll be receiving and transmitting, but not at obviously the same time. So um, it, it matches that tempo and it works with it. And uh, it is configurable so that right now I have it set 90 seconds for every 12 frames. So 12 frames and then, you know, pause and then 90 seconds later, send the other 12 frames. I think we're about 12 frames max. But we send them in chunks with 90 second separation because we don't want to fry our radio. So, anywho, I hope to get the code out there in a couple weeks. I wish I could have done it faster. You know, it's it's almost May, and I started in January. So I guess you should just you know call the witches of software. They're somewhere in Bellevue. 
with, you know, <laughs> hooker knives. And there's somewhere in Bellevue they live hooker lives. There's somewhere in Bellevue. There's somewhere in Bellevue. They live in Bellevue off the flesh of dying cats. They live like bat people, winged and unabsorbed. Except for their own broken pain somewhere in Bellevue, because they're the ones that do the code reviews. And they die alone in the park someplace, thinking about Cody Wilson. Yeah, I don't know about that part, but the rest is all plausible, okay? So I want to read something, and it's going to sound weird, but I don't care because I think I need to read it. This is a reading from the Bible. This is Job chapter 3. The book of Job chapter 3, verse 11 through 17. Why did I not perish at birth? And die as I came from the womb. Why were there knees to receive me? And breasts that might be nursed. For now I would be lying down in peace. I would be asleep and at rest. With kings and rulers of the earth who built for themselves places now lying in ruins, with princes who had gold, who filled their houses with silver? Or why was I not hidden away in the ground like a stillborn child, like an infant who never saw the light of day? There the wicked cease from turmoil, and there the weary are at rest. Okay, now that's kind of dark. That's from Job. Y'all got to keep in mind, Job is a very, very dark book in the Old Testament, technically one of the wisdom books, and there is a lot of wisdom in Job. And some people would argue, I've taken this out of context, which, frankly, anything taken out of the book of Job, any, any set of verses taken out of Job because of how it's connected is pretty much out of context. So this is out of context. You could almost treat this as separate text, but there's a lot of mourning for, you know, why do I exist? It's like this article I read about this. I think she lives somewhere in one of the Kazakhstans, Kyrgyzstan, maybe Turkmenistan, but there was this woman a few years ago in the news who supposedly was the oldest woman in the world. Like she was 128, supposedly. And they asked her about her life. And she basically said, I never had a happy day. I 
woman. I never had one happy day in my whole life, basically. She said her whole life was miserable. Her whole life was miserable. 128 years old. Maybe the key is at the extremes. Like, the extremely happy and the extremely sad are the most likely to live the longest. And maybe the reason is maybe almost the same. I don't know. Because, I don't know. This is messed up. It's hard to know there. This is tricky. Existentially speaking, as someone who suffers from depression from time to time, it's hard for me to think in these terms like, is it good or is it bad to be happy or sad? These are just states of mind. Um, some people are sad more often than happy. Some people, you know, vice versa. Sometimes there are things you can do nutritionally to help with that. Sometimes there are things you can do with exercise. Sometimes there are things you can do just to take your mind off the world. But the reality is sometimes you feel sad. And sometimes, maybe these days, people feel like, you know, nobody knows the trouble like I do kind of thing. Like, basically, no one knows how bad it is as I know it's bad. No one's world is as tough as mine. One of the lessons I learned a long time ago, and I think I started learning it when I was in the Army, and I don't want to give out the details because I just think it's appalling, but there was a situation I came across when I was in Seoul, Korea, and it was appalling. And actually, there was a couple situations I came across when I was stationed there. And the only thing I can say is that, you know, my eyes were opened as far as even people who are really poor in the United States are doing better than a lot of people right now. I'm not saying we need to be communist about it. That is not my argument. Really, it would be the opposite. But what we ought to do is just sort of recognize the possibility that there's a lot of stuff that's happened. It's been very crooked. And there's a lot of people in the world who are, you know, very hungry right now, but will probably be very, very hungry in the near future. And the question will be, well, how do we feed everyone? And, um, I mean, listen, I'm a, I, I got plenty of, of weight I can lose. So I can go for a while and I'm not too worried. And also, ultimately... I'm not a young person, so my expectations are just not what they once were. I mean, part of the ennui of this, and it is the ennui of it, is this idea of why can't I be dead today? That's the desire for suicide, really, when you think about it. I mean, basically, he's not talking about, you know, anything other than just strike me down, but that's pretty close to just basically wanting to just die. And these days, as crazy as they are, and they are crazy, listen, these are crazy days. They're crazy. People are, they're going insane, you know. They're going crazy. People are going crazy and, uh, it, it's hard to explain. It's one of those things where it's like, in my head, Okay, this kind of goes naturally into the next topic. So yeah, we got the presentation on Saturday. We're going to kick butt. I hope to videotape it if I remember to bring the camera. Ugh, my brain these days. You know, 
yeah, I hope to have some vi some video, video or whatever, whatever you want to call it. I'm an old man. When I was a kid, we had we barely had these things called the VHS recorder, which really it became a thing in the late sixties, the late late sixties. But normal people didn't have access to them until like you know the eighties, really, um, maybe the late seventies. I know we got one, I think around 1980, maybe 81. And it was pretty cool. It was pretty big. <laughs> oh, man. It was a monstrosity. But you know what? It was pretty cool. You go, hey, we're going to go to Video Depot. They got Halloween too. You know. <laughs> and I'm dating, yeah, <laughs> Sally Lou and... Y'all know how that story ends. Anyways. I believe in what we're doing, but like I said, I have no illusions. Neither does Justin. I'm, I'm lucky to have shelter. I'm lucky to have food. I'm lucky to have electricity to run a fucking keyboard. I'm lucky to have this recorder that still doesn't fail me. And I'm lucky that I was able to reinstall the operating system and get the HDMI working so that, you know, I'll, you know, that we can do the presentation. But, you know, I could also replace the word lucky with blessed and, you know, just basically say thank God and mean it. And I do. And if you want to say a prayer for me, if you're out there and you're a Christian... If you want to say a prayer for me, that, that would be helpful, but you don't have to. It's up to you. If you're, if you're not Christian, if you're, if you're atheist, it's okay. I'm not, I'm not hunting people. You know, I'm not a weirdo. I'm fairly certain that there have been all sorts of people throughout history and Whereas my faith might tell me certain things go a certain kind of way, that doesn't mean I shouldn't endeavor to live in peace with my neighbor, um, whomever my neighbor should be, as long as they can live in peace with me. I mean, I think that's fair. I think there's an inherent reciprocity to Christianity, you know? I mean, it's kind of why I went off on that tangent about the Ukraine. I I don't really know that we can figure out who's really at fault for what unless we know the truth about a lot of things, including what happened in 2014. I think there was a lot of very strange stuff, and we should at least investigate that before we decide, you know, which side is good and which side is bad. But, um, but we are in a cult state right now. So the people wearing coffee filters are wearing coffee filters, and they're they're probably the same people who hate Russia. And if you don't hate Russia, if you don't hate Putin, and listen, I don't like Putin, but hating Putin is like hating, you know, President Biden. What's the point? It's a lot of wasted energy. I'm not a fan of either one of them. I'm not even sure if they're I'm not even sure they're in charge of anything. I mean, the way I see the world at this point, and you're gonna probably call it hyper-skeptical, but... <sighs> or maybe ultra-paranoid. Depending on your perspective, it's either hyper-skeptical or ultra-paranoid, you know? And I think it's just somewhere in between, but I'm a hyper-skeptical, 
paranoiac, paranoiac. Um, yeah, a hyperskeptinac. I'm a hyperskeptinac, you know, and that's just what I am. But um, as a hyperskeptinac, I have a. I don't even know if any of these people that get paraded in front of us really actually have any decision-making power at all at this point. It looks so fictional to me that it's hard to believe it's just accident. And I know a lot of people say, but what about voting? It's like, you know, I mean, I've been to Vegas and I think that there's a basic science behind all this. And yeah, voting, voting might do something, but it's not what you think it does. I don't think it does what you think it does. So... I don't think voting does what people think think it does. I don't. I think people want to believe that when they voted for Biden or voted for Trump, they were actually casting a vote. I think it was fiction. I think Trump's fiction. I think Biden is fiction. I think Biden serves a purpose. He might, in fact, you know, Biden might, in fact, be, you know, Falstaffian. He might actually be a sad and pitiable fool in the sense that he could have brain damage, he could have dementia, I have no idea. But even whether he's acting that way or whether he's actually has organic brain disorder, he serves a purpose. He keeps people confused. I mean, you know, the thing about these psyops they do a lot. Of, they do. They do. They do a few things, and and that's one of the things you almost have to give them credit for. But usually, psyops are pretty simple. These have been, you know, pretty simple on one level, but on another level, not at all. Um, but they really have done more than one thing, and they've kind of gotten people used to a certain way of looking at the world. Um, so I, I'm not going to read this article there's an article on Zero Hedge there's a link in the notes it's about this YouTube dude who supposedly <laughs> I guess he owned the plane honestly I don't really care if he owned it or didn't own it because on any level it seems just like a really absurd thing to do in 2022 but he was in a plane with a parachute over some kind of mountain range. And he decided to just bail out and have the plane just pound into some mountain, you know, like, I'm the mountain flyer. You know, I'm the mountain flyer. And he jumps out like the mountain flyer. His plane is now on fire. But um, it made me think about this whole thing about landings. You know, you remember the 9-11 the terrorists the ones that learn how to take off, but they never learned how to land. And I've been told by more than one pilot to include helicopter pilots, especially the old school ones that weren't as fly-by-wire, because a lot of helicopters are now more fly-by-wire, which means that they have more intuitive control. 
uh, a lot of the older helicopters had really difficult to learn controls. Um, but anyways, yeah. One thing that they would tend to say is that landings, landings are hard. I mean, landings are difficult and you don't want them to be hard. The, the bottom line is that landings can be complicated. Like you can build up static. So if you're a helicopter and you're dropping a load, uh, you can build up static and you can shock somebody to death. There's a lot of stuff that can happen that can go wrong in a landing or that type of scenario. You know, taking off, it's like I'm a 9-11 terrorist. I can, I can take control of a plane and crash it into a building. But one of the things you find out is that that's not even necessarily that easy to do at the speeds they were going. Um, there are lots of things that don't add up, but everybody assumes, well, since Penn and Teller made fun of the skeptics and so did South Park, the case closed, but I kind of think, especially when it comes to World Trade Center 7, case is not closed. Now, where, what does this have to do with landings? Well, you remember in 2018, I remember in 2018, Summer 2018, I was working at Alaska Air Group, and oh my god, I had a horrible experience. On one level, it was okay. Another level, it was horrible, and it kind of just didn't end well. It ended kind of crazy, and definitely no soft landing for me, and I, I didn't really care. I just, uh, I kind of reached my point, but it, that was the same summer that that Horizon Air part of Alaska Air Group, that mechanic, took control of that plane, or, you know, in the Seattle area, summer 2018, and did loop-de-loops, and circular circulars, and, and, and actually almost produced a manifesto, I think, over the radio, from what I've heard, but, um, and he ended up flying it into an island, and that's pretty sad, because, well, yeah, he could have harmed people, obviously, if, if he'd hit anyone. And I don't think he did. But he died. And, you know, he seemed like an intelligent young man. And I know you're going to say, well, Dan, you're not defending him. He's a crazy terrorist. I don't think so. I think he was crazy, and I think he was ahead of his time. I mean, I think that's what I would say about that kid, that mechanic. I don't know any, I don't have any evidence he was a bad person. I have no evidence about that. He might have been somebody who had PTSD. He might have he might have been somebody who had psychological issues. There's I mean, you, well, you could you could argue, if only in that Foucaultian sense, you could argue he had them. Because clearly he did. Look what he did. It's crazy. It's crazy, Dan. I mean, think about it. He took off and, and he did a lot of amazing stuff. But his landing, though, yeah, it's tragic. He's a life that was lost. That's worth more than the plane, if you ask me. And people say, that's crazy. He stole the plane. He did something crazy. Yeah, that kid probably could have done a whole bunch of stuff. He was still a young man. 
And so there's no tragedy that the plane is trashed, and maybe there's a tragedy that some piece of nature was blown apart. But the real tragedy is that here's this young man who went crazy, and who knows, he could have been the kind of crazy you could have walked back if somebody had just been there in some way. You just don't know. And maybe those are questions people shouldn't ask, and maybe they do. I don't know. But when I think about what happened back then, I think to myself, yeah, this is coming. I mean, a lot of people have illusions about the last 10, 12 years, like, oh, there were good Obama years. Well, I I use the analogy of the stranded unconscious skier because it's a good one. You know, your body will conserve the fluid and the, the energy to the core. It'll abandon the limbs, your fingers and whatnot. So you can be unconscious in the snow in good gear and maybe slowly die over nine hours. And in your brain, you might think you're at the chalet with, you know, underwear models, you know, drinking dirty martinis. You know, but in reality, you're slowly dying from the outside in. That illusion, that internal illusion of being at the chalet is what I call the unconscious skier. And I think that's where most of the U.S. economy's been since at least 2008, 2009, or whenever the quote-unquote recovery began is when that skier, you know, hit the limb, (laughs) fell into the snow, and uh, yeah, he's in a drift of snow. She could be. We don't have to be gender-specific. He, she, or whoever is in a drift of snow, and no matter how good their gear is, they will slowly lose core temperature and they will slowly die, unless somebody gets them help. And if you ask me, that's where the U.S. economy has been, you know, for the last 12 years. Now, does that mean good? Does that mean bad? Some people would call that a zombie economy, too, you know? I mean... You could call it the unconscious gear, or you could call it the zombie. It's really a a perspective thing. And maybe it is a useful one, maybe it's not. But landings are hard. I had a crazy theory years ago when I researched peak oil. I had this crazy theory, um, really crazy, really insane, completely crazy theory. I'd read this essay that was published in Rolling Stone, written by James How- James Howard Kunstler. And if you're not familiar with James Howard Kunstler, he hasn't. I think he still has um, on uh, Kunstler.com. He, I think he still has his Clusterfuck Nation. It's a bi-weekly or twice-weekly, <laughs> whatever twice-weekly um, essay that he writes. I think Mondays and Fridays, and he's a he is a brilliant writer. And I would say probably one of those rare voices out there that could very well be honest. But like I said, I'm hyper-skeptinoid, so (laughs) he could be real, he might not be. There are levels, right? You know, hyper-skeptinoid, hyper-skeptical, paranoid, maniacal... Drungus Lord.
Yeah, I could be the drunkest lord of love. I could. I could be the drunkest lord of love. Probably not, though, right? Probably not. Probably won't be the drunkest lord of love. Landings are hard. I had this theory years ago um, when I was thinking about this that if, in fact, peak oil were real, which means that we'd reached a point, let's just keep it simple, where oil and oil, energy like oil, like methane, all of it would become so expensive that you simply couldn't use it. Like maybe some people could, but most people couldn't. And it would really mean a kind of never-ending collapse. And, and, you know, some people think it would be hard. Some people think it would be gradual. I think it'll be a mixture. I think you'll have little periods of plateaus where maybe things are okay. And then you'll probably have periods of time where things get really difficult. Um, if, if peak oil were real, I'm not really sure I see the world that way any longer. You know, I think, I've used this analogy of the Ford pickup, you know, to me, government is like this Ford pickup. And, and I would say the United States government includes the Federal Reserve, whether you like it or not. It really is part of the government. But, oh, but they're private. No, not really. They have a lot of power that, yeah, no, they're not private. They may be according to the lawyers, but according to truth, no, they're not private. Um, yeah. I mean, basically, what if a long time ago they said to themselves, we know where this is headed, so we need to manage it. And maybe this was part of the plan. I truly don't know. It seems absurd. Because like, I've, I've likened it to remodeling a house with dynamite. And this is what it's been. A lot of lives have been destroyed. If the purpose was to manage collapse, then they have managed to fail. I think that they virtually lost all of their credibility, which means in reality, the social contract is burning. Whatever they think protects them in the context of the American people, they're failing. So yeah, I think there's a problem, a real problem there. I think they would do crazy stuff to manage collapse. And then there's the issue of the environment. And this is what I'll say. I don't believe the things I've observed in the last 20 years, especially the times I've had been able to visit Washington State, I don't think they're normal. I don't think any of this is normal. I'm not saying that it's not historically normal. It could be. I mean, these could be natural things in a way but they could also be related to something that's about to happen that could be pretty hard, pretty difficult. Not necessarily, and probably not, the end of the world, but it could feel like it. And as a Christian, I say to myself, well, Dan, you gotta be a happy warrior, and you gotta wake up in the morning and always be happy. 
The truth is, I wake up some mornings and I shake my head and I shake my fist at the sky and I say, you know, Lord in heaven, can you teach us how to land? And the truth is, you know, he already did. It's just, um, it's kind of hard to do that thing, to be the kingdom life Christian. It's easy to talk about it. It's really easy to, you know, to do a service like I've done. And, oh, isn't that great? But the reality is to live the life is not easy. The, you know, Jesus taught us how to land, but... <laughs> The devil wants us to crash. I mean, let's get real, you know. I think the devil wants us to crash. I I think it's also why we have so much learned helplessness, you know, really just true learned helplessness in our society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People say, well, I know how to do stuff. What do you know how to do? You know how to go to Home Depot and buy something and install it in your home. Basically, you know how to do final stage manufacturing. But what can you do to save your life? Could you start a fire uh, using a bow drill? You know, using a bow drill. Could you build a bow drill? Could you do that? I mean, these are things that sound absurd right now to the metropolitan human being. But the reality is, these could be the things that separate life and death in the near future. And it also means that things like podcasts are kind of absurd. Like I'm doing this in a way, yeah, in a positive way, in a hopeful way, and maybe as a hedge, that not everything goes completely to hell. But things could go crazy. And that's assuming we avoid the world leaders deciding that the best way to solve a problem is with a hydrogen bomb. I mean, I personally, I don't know that that threat is as big a threat as it once was. But it could be. It could be a big threat. It could actually be the thing where, yeah, we start targeting our missiles and making sure they're ready to go, if you know what I mean. And ultimately, that could happen. And potentially they're already doing this, getting ready for nuclear war. In fact, maybe the reason why it hasn't started yet is they're not quite ready yet. And that's a horrible thought because you say, Dan, don't you think I vote for people and they look out for me? Well, I don't know how to put this. They look out for you the way I think some type of kid that's probably going to grow up to be a sociopath looks over their gerbil. I think they probably feed it because they love Mr. Gerbil. They love Mr. Gerbil, but eventually they do kill Mr. Gerbil. Um, so I think, you know, for that 10-year-old sociopathic kid, a lot of Americans and Russians and Germans and Italians and people in England and people in France and people in China, everywhere, the ordinary people are like that gerbil in the cage. And yeah, 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 for most of your gerbil life, maybe, hopefully, 
that sociopathic 10-year-old kid gives you some food and you get your, maybe you even get some tasty treats to give you some diabetes. I don't know, because it is a sociopathic little kid. But um, eventually the kid takes you out and probably puts you in the microwave oven. And I, that's, that is government. That is the government's relationship to you. On some level, they're going to do that. When you die, they're going to tax you to make sure that the money you earned and you had left over goes to them as much as possible. So even in death, they're going to punish you. In, in many ways, that's worse than what happens to the gerbil. Um, but probably just as bad, right? That's government, folks. So... Uh, and there's no landing there. You don't, I think a lot of people want to grab on to this idea that because right now things may seem quasi-stable, that means that everything is going to be fine. And, and I'm not saying you should like be constantly afraid, but here's what I would suggest. Understand the possibility that in the great discontinuity, that literally means things are discontinuous. And when I was talking about this in 2019, this is what I meant. That we would be living through a period of human history where history A is totally unstuck. You know, fuck you, fuckyama, fukuyama, endism. What kind of nonsense? Back in 1990, I remember saying that was nonsense and people looked at me with weird looks. And I don't know. I think I win on that one. But um, history has become unstuck. Now, is it going to head in a good direction, bad direction? Are we going to repeat the sins of the past? A lot of this is up to, right now, up to people that are way beyond, you know, my, you know, control or connection or yours. I mean, these are not local officials. These are not people you can go knock on a door and say, tell me about why you're getting ready to do World War III. These are people far removed from ordinary people. And so, and, and that's assuming, like I said, they're anything more than just actors. Because I still don't really believe, you know, even like Merkel, for example. Merkel's like out of casting. Like, she's perfect. For the role she had to play, she's almost too perfect. All of these sleazeballs have been perfect. Bill Clinton, oh my God, he's perfect. And you want to talk about never-ending trauma dramas? The Clinton trauma drama has been going on for 30 fucking years at least. And that doesn't include the local Arkansas press. It probably goes back further. But the point is... Are they actually real people? And if you're going to say, Dan, that's crazy, that's fine. But what I can tell you is this a big part of spiritual warfare, if you believe that's a thing, is deception. And they are, in many ways, masters of deception. They really are. I don't think they're good people. I, I think they're clever. I don't think they're geniuses, but I do think they're good at deceiving. And maybe part of it's just the will to deceive, you know? I remember back in 2018, the summer of 2018 in Seattle, 
July and August was so hard to breathe. Um, and again, you know, people would say, well, that's just like when we were kids. It's like, I don't know. I, I think a lot of people have started to learn how to gaslight each other and sort of convince each other that stuff isn't happening. Like, don't look up at the skies because it's contrails. But whatever it is, it's not what they, it's really probably not what they're telling us it is. I think that's where I'm at vis-a-vis the stuff going on in the environment. I think some things could be a lot worse than they'll admit to. And, and I've said this before, I'll say it again. And this is a Dr. Freckles quote, so we know it's true, 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 true. If the government tells you something's going to happen in a hundred years, one of two things is true. Either A, it's never going to happen, or B, it's happening already. And it's more likely way worse than they said. And I think that's basically true. So when, you know, they've been telling us a lot of the things that would happen are 100 years away. And, you know, maybe that's true. But it doesn't look like it. It looks like things. It's like I've been telling people about the procession of summer. It's like, it seems like summer's getting an extra week every year. That's a little bit of an exaggeration, but it doesn't seem like much of one. And, you know, Justin and I are taking bets on how long it's going to take for the snow to melt away up in the mountains. And the reality is people talk about the drought in the West like it's a limited thing. It's been going on, I think, more than, well, I think it's been going on 20 years now, basically. And they call it an intermittent drought to make it seem like shorter time frames, but it's a long-term drought and it's bad. It's bad enough that I've said this and people think I'm crazy. The wrong heat wave in Vegas could kill a lot of people if, if water becomes an issue. It's simple mathematics. It's simple reality. Um, it's one of the reasons why I think Vegas is a place where people might have... You know, people used to talk about during Katrina how people would... Well, we have to abandon New Orleans despite, you know, the whole... You know, you know, we have to abandon. We have to abandon New Orleans, and that never happened. You know, New Orleans was not abandoned to the alligators. I used, to, <laughs> I don't know. It's not funny, but I would play Far Cry Two, and I would imagine that scenario. But the reality is, it's not funny. A lot of people disappeared. A lot of people were probably killed, and just disappeared and dumped. A lot of people were just lost and missing and it's not funny what happened um So I don't know. I, I think where we're at in human history at this point, if you want to believe what CNN tells you, 
it's your choice. And if you want to believe what Fox News tells you, it's your choice. And if you listen to Talk of the Nation on, on you know NPR and you want to believe that person, you are free to do so. I think if you want to read InfoWars or Weekly World News or read Zero Hedge, you can read RU Pravda. You can read some French newspaper, you know. These are all choices you can make, and these are your choices. As long as you're allowed to make them, go ahead and make them is what I say. But where I'm at with respect to this whole issue of people going crazy and not knowing how to land planes, I think if they were doing all of this crazy because they were trying to do something equivalent of hitting a mountain without crashing. <laughs> That's basically what they're trying to do. They, they, they have a plane, and many of them do want to have bailed out. Like, I'm pretty certain a lot of people have gone to ground. They're not people you'd ever know. They're not the fakers. They're the real deal. Anyways, the point about Katrina is that if a heat wave hit Vegas and water became an issue and there is reason to believe that it would never ever fix itself in any reasonable time frame and it was a bad enough heat wave, you could see people abandon Vegas and just never go back. It sounds crazy, but that's crazy. How or Why would they do that? Gotta tell you guys, there is no place on planet Earth that is built on more sand than Vegas. And the reality is, you're not supposed to build stuff on sand. supposed to build stuff on sand but yet yeah you've got you have a city built on sand and and listen there are good people in vegas and they earn their right to the american dream but what is entirely plausible is that pieces of that dream were never built to last because and, and for one reason is they were never built on freedom. They were built on central planning. Well, we're going to have a, a, a system of dams. And we're going to dam those rivers. We'll dam all the rivers. And then we'll do other stuff too. And A, we'll cancel out B. And the problem is eventually you end up with these droughts. Not enough water. Not enough water at all. So ultimately... I don't know. I think the government getting involved the way they did in the 1930s, and this is my opinion, whether you're talking about the TVA, you know, in places like Kentucky and Tennessee, 
or the Bonneville Power Administration in Washington State and other places, whatever these programs were, this idea of damming these rivers sounded like a great idea, but the problem was is it was never really something people thought about, like, well, what if, you know? And what if everybody dams the same river? And what if this creates problems too? These were never things I think they cared about. I think they cared about damming the river and it was a government thing. I think if ordinary people had done it, it probably wouldn't have happened in the same way. And in all likelihood, people would recognize, well, the river serves a purpose. And it actually does. That river serves a purpose. It is in the best interest of people that live along the river to not poison it, to not obstruct it. And, and I'm not saying don't use it, but use it wisely. Like, just don't dump poison in it, you know? Here's a good rule of thumb. You don't dump poison in the river. Now, the problem is a lot of Americans, um, and maybe through no fault of their own, have adopted a lifestyle with respect to gardening and their lawns that basically does amount to poisoning the river. And they'll say, well, I use only organic stuff. Well, if a half a million people pour that organic stuff on their lawn in a city, then that river nearby probably is going to have a problem. So, yeah, um, there's a lot of stuff people just don't think about. And, and, and the reason is because there's the EPA. Well, they're thinking about it. No, not really. They're handing out flyers to Laotian people saying, don't eat the crab. That's what the EPA is doing. But they're not actually fixing anything. So, yeah. They're not actually fixing anything. Oh, landings. I would love it if people could take that airplane they're on called the COVID-19. I mean, I, I don't believe any of it was real. But if you want to think some of it, a tiny bit was real and put that in your knapsack and take that paranoia with you, guess what? The one thing you don't get to do for the rest of your fucking life is judge me to be anything more than an ordinary skeptonoisiac or whatever, skeptonac. The point is, I'm an ordinary skeptonac. I'm not crazy. But you don't have a right to be all high and mighty, is my point, because my God, people, you're putting coffee filters on your fucking faces. And so it's really a big, giant question mark how sane any of you are. Well, I reuse my coffee filter. Oh, I, I am sure that's good for you. <laughs> I mean, in the way of being sarcastic, you know. But you could just take that tiny little piece of maybe the COVID was kind of real and stick it in your knapsack. That's fine. I still think, by definition, it's bullshit. So it doesn't matter if it was kind of real unless you think I'm kind of an NBA basketball player. And since I'm not, then maybe it was just basically kind of bullshit. You know, do I think they would hijack a cold? Sure. These are things they can predict. They probably, they probably spread colds. But the thing is, an actual, you, you have to understand something. In terms of keeping things from going too crazy too fast, this is critical. 
An actual pandemic costs too much. For example, you would expect random distribution of illness. Now, you know, there would be patterns and there would be flows, but it would be, generally speaking, a random kind of thing too. And ultimately, if it hit an area, like where they have a boiling water reactor, you only have so many people over such an age who know how to run the reactor. So if the COVID had been the thing they said it was, a bunch of reactors would have lost people dead. They would have just been dead. Well, it wasn't. And you know why? Because that would have been an expensive thing. That would have put them at risk at least too soon. So ask yourself what is cheaper, a real pandemic or a fake one? where you poison some old people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You probably poison some vaccines. I gotta be honest with you. I don't know what you po- what they're poisoning people with. I do not believe the, the story they're being fed by anyone, including the people who say they're reprogramming you. But the reality is every great psyop is kind of a snuff flick. So are they poisoning people? Probably. And, and I'm sorry. I, I, I wish I could tell you, you know, I remember I did this podcast in 2019. I think, it, no, excuse me, 2020. It may have been early 2021, but I think it was 2020. But it was called, you know, placebo, placebo or poison, you know. Is it a placebo? Is it poison? It seems like a stupid question, but at the time when they were talking about the vaccine, you know, warp speed, listen, I know they're going to tell you they can do things that are magical. They can't. And so whatever they were going to give people was either some type of garbage that wasn't going to help and only hurt, or it was going to be nothing. It was going to be saline, you know, saline, maybe with something, I don't know, maybe giving people the flu shot, but basically probably just saline. Because what they don't want, what is critical, and this is critical, they can't afford the system to break down faster. What they really wanted was a way to step on the brake without breaking anything. They wanted to figure out a way to land while heading into a mountain at 500 miles per hour, but still land the plane. what's cheaper? What's cheaper? What's cheaper? For, for if you believe there are people in power and, and they are on the verge of their situation going awry, what is cheaper to produce the result of controlling a lot of people and selectively killing some people probably? Is it cheaper to do a real pandemic or is it cheaper to do a fake one? You see, that's basically the problem I have with the real pandemic people is that there are, you know, There was a lot of talk about essential workers. The reality is there are a lot of people who are so essential that the system would start falling apart. At this point, I think that's true. It's It's not a small number. There's a lot of them. 
but it's not a, it's not an infinite number or such a big number that if you started losing a few, it wouldn't have an impact. So the question is, would they want their system to randomly start falling apart given they're so OCD and megalomaniacal about controlling every single thing? And the answer would be no. The only type of pandemic that ever made any sense was a fake one. This is what a lot of people do not get. And I think the sooner they understand this, the better for them, especially for their families, their friends, their community, and their kids. But Dan, maybe they're not logical. Oh, maybe they're not, but they're clever and they're devious and, they're, and they are deceit, they're, they're deceivers. So their strength is deception. It's not real actual anything. It is the fear. Their strength is in generating fear and deception, not in anything real. And if you can break through of those things, then you're free. And I'm not saying that there's not violence that can't be brought forth against people, but at some point you have to throw that away too, don't you? I mean, <laughs> listen, I'm not one of those founding fathers, like live for your die people in the sense of, I, I don't really believe that, you know, what happened to the revolution was generally right. I, I don't think that we needed a constitution. I think that a lot of things went downhill with the U.S. Constitution, you know, and I think ultimately history could have been a lot different and probably better if it never had happened, but um, it did. And people say, well, we at least we have the Bill of Rights. That was the thing people would hammer into me as a kid. But at least we have the Bill of Rights. Ever since 9-11, the Bill of Rights has just failed over and over and over and over again. And all of the folks who supposedly look out for these things, the journalists, the lawyers, you know, all these folks who claim to be the guardians of the Bill of Rights have failed. And during the COVID, they failed so terribly that millions of people were more or less scared to death. And now people want to say, well, it's over. I don't think it's over because I think it's a PSYOP. So they'll turn it up and turn it down. And, and you know, the stories out of China, like I said, you come to your own conclusion. You figure that out. You get some of you trust. And if you want to, shoot me an email. PlanetaryStatusReport at gmail.com. Yeah, PlanetaryStatusReport at gmail.com. Just email me your secret evidence from some friend in China. But I'll be honest with you, that doesn't mean I'll believe it. Sorry. We are living in strange, strange times. And I probably should be heading to bed because it's already mid mid boblim talk. The time of the Grinkus time when the Scrungleon meet and the Jingus come together. It's the time of night when the cattle they wander into their caves to make love.
that time of night. You can hear them up there in the hill. You can hear them making love in the hills, the cattle. kidding about that of course but you know maybe right I don't know do you know how it happens nobody knows the farmer thinks he knows but it probably happens in some cave anyways I beat the landing thing of dead horse I don't know what to say about that youtuber though I mean to, to beat the dead horse there because hey why not right I don't know what to say about the youtuber it's like I, I, I presume from the article he was an extreme sports dude. That's pretty much an extreme thing to do. Fly a plane up with the intention of crashing it into a hill or something and jumping out of it and taking selfies. And listen, if it, it, let's say you could do this. Like, let's say there was something called the fully disposable aircraft. <laughs> it would be horrific in a way, but imagine it was a thing. It basically dissolved. It dissolved into basically nothing. It, it, on impact, it uses some type of, you know, repulsing explosive system, and the entire thing just dissolves. And yeah, it probably would be really toxic and stuff. But maybe I don't know. Maybe they make it non-toxic, like they make it out of corn crust or something. <laughs> And and weed, right? They make it out of corn husks and weed. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what they're going to do in the future. put the world together in your own head if you want to and you can say to yourself Dan you sound tired and crazy thinking about this this thing and and you might be right and at the end of the day I can't tell you whether I'm right or wrong I mean I could say well I think there's a 50-50 chance that I'm right about what will happen. I think that there's a 0% chance that I'll be mostly wrong, which is another way of saying, I think that there's a good chance that I'll be wrong on a few things, maybe even things that will make the future less terrible, but I just don't know. I think the challenges are gigantic. Some of them are probably the result of human action. I don't think the people who quote-unquote run the world are particularly interested 
in whether or not we survive at this point, but I do think they worry that they might not survive. So that there's a good reason for them to do these things, to keep people off the streets, to keep people from talking to each other, to keep people from just asking questions. And now that the monkey herpes seems to be over, it seems like the Ukraine is the new thing. And if you don't hate Russia, there must be something wrong with you. And I can tell you that I don't love or hate Russia any more than I love or hate a lot of other places, you know? Um, I don't, that's it. Beyond that, you know, I, I'm, I don't know. I had some, some script code I put together about setting up JS8 on Ubuntu 1804. And it just seemed to be a simplified way to make sure you've got the ham live set up and stuff. So it's pretty simple script. And, you know, some of this, the, the apt updates are superfluous, but you can judge yourself. Um, I think it works pretty well because I had to do a clean install today. Life isn't all bad, you know. The thing about Job mourning over himself and saying, oh, woe is me, this captures a spirit. And that is the spirit of, of sort of like feeling worthless and feeling like the world is crap. But even in crappy times, there are just amazing things that can happen. And in really great times, there can be crappy things that happen. You know, it's not simple. It's not A or B. I can tell you there have been times in my life where I, wish I, where I so wished the mood of my life matched my reality because if it had, things would just fall together. But that's, you know, that's a rare thing. Mostly it's your mood is one place and your reality is another and you hope they come together. But they don't, they don't always. come together. And I guess I stretched this one out, didn't I? This podcast. And you might say, Dan, you were handing out, yeah, I'm going to hand out flyers for planetarystatusreport.com. I put adult material on the flyer. I hope people understand it's the truth and not meant to lure people in. But the reality is, what do you do? I swear, I say bad words, and and I talk about some pretty serious crap, so it's not really for kids, and, and I don't really think kids would want to or would need to listen to my shit, but I also don't know if parents have much control over that, so I just don't know, but I'll have flyers to hand out, you know, flyers, hey, it's a planetarystatusreport.com, you can donate your cocaine, I'll take your used cocaine, your used hundies, your used 20s and hundies that are covered in nose candy. And I'll make a million.
Yeah, I'll take all your cocaine hundies, right? That's a job. That's a job I could do, right? 20s and hundies, all of it covered in cocaine. hundies covered in cocaine. I'm kidding. That's not a good goal in life. And I'm getting caught in mouth, so I should probably wind this thing up. And it's getting long in the tooth, so some of you are going to accuse me of time crimes, and I don't care. I had to reinstall my operating system today and deal with some stress and some other issues, and my brain is broken. But my heart is spoken for. It's given to Jesus. And, but my mind is crazy, so it's okay. The crazy mind behest the crazy soul headed for some strange vacation land. In Hawaii. Is there still a place in Hawaii where people lay their head to rest? To the gentle waves that are beating? Is there still a place in, in Waikiki? Where the heart is still learning. We all want to find that place, right? Good night.